Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. We've been doing this series of podcasts called Shields Up for the last few weeks, and we want to continue that today where we seek to combat the devil and his schemes, his lies against God's people. This past Sunday, we started a new series through the book of 1 Peter, and we looked at the first nine verses of chapter one, and in those first nine verses, there are seven promises given to God's people in order for us to live courageously and hope-filled on this earth so that we can do what God expects us to do. But as we've learned, we have a foe, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And he seeks to do whatever necessary through deception to get Christians to trip up and and to not believe what God has told us. And so we're going to look at that even more today as we look at a bunch of what-ifs. Because I I think the devil loves what-ifs. I think he loves to plant what-ifs in our mind to get us to question God's love and God's promises and We're going to look at a few what-ifs that the devil seeks to plant in our minds, specifically based on the promises we just learned. But I am not a risk-taker. I don't know if you are. I am a chronic (laughs) not-risk-taker. I have proven that self in my life, uh, over my entire life. My mom said when I was younger, um, the difference between me and my brother is my brother would jump into a swimming pool without checking if there was even water. (laughs) Because Travis is kind of the opposite of me. Um, but myself, I would be the person that would dip the toe in, you know, gradually move the foot in, gradually move the knee in, and if I felt confident, eventually get into the water, kind of a slow mover, not taking risks whatsoever. I thought of a few things that I don't do, I haven't done, I don't typically do in my life because I don't want to take the risk. Here's an example, and maybe some of you are like me in this way, parachuting parachuting. I don't know if any of you have gone parachuting or would go parachuting. I'm just not going to. I'm never going to go parachuting because what if the parachute doesn't open? I mean, right? That's a logical train to follow. What if the parachute doesn't open? If the parachute doesn't open when you're parachuting, you're a goner. You're going to hit the ground and die. So those things keep me from parachuting. That's all I need to not take the risk of parachuting. Here's another one I don't do, cliff diving. I don't do cliff diving for the similar reason I don't go parachuting because what if I hit something? What if I don't dive correctly? What if the water's not deep enough? What if I skip off the cliff? What if I miss the water somehow? There's a whole bunch of what ifs. There's a whole bunch of risks involved in cliff diving, and all those things are enough to make me not want to do it. Again, these are very extreme th- examples, but I'll get to a few that aren't as extreme. But let's go to one that's not as extreme skiing. I've lived in Northeast Pennsylvania my entire life almost, and uh, we have a lot of mountains and hills around us, and you would have thought that by now I would have gone skiing at least once. Well, I haven't. I've never gone skiing. And you could say, well, maybe you don't have the money to do it or the time to do it. Maybe your friends didn't like doing it. Well, none of those reasons were really valid enough. I think the reason I haven't gone skiing my entire life is because of the risk. Because when you go skiing, there's there's a chance, there's a risk, there's a what if. You break your neck. (laughs) You hit a tree. You don't do something properly. You go too fast. You get off course. And you get really, really injured. And I think that's a big reason I haven't gone skiing, because I'm not a risk risk taker. I love the winter. I love the cold. It has nothing to do with that. I just don't want to take the risk. But again, that's kind of an extreme example. I think there's probably a lot of people who don't go skiing because of the risk. But here's one that is way, way lower on the scale that my wife kind of makes fun of me for sometimes, is when we go out to restaurants. 
a restaurant that we typically go to, and I am the kind of person that's going to get the same exact thing every single time. And Janine has asked me, why don't I explore the menu? Why don't I take a chance and get something else? And my response to her is, what if it's not as good as what I usually get? What if I get something different and it's just not as good? It's just not as tasty. It's, you know, then I have the entire meal ruined because I didn't get what I knew was good. <laughs> and uh, I know, I see you're, you're finding out what, what not risk-taking person I am. I don't really go off the menu even. <laughs> because I don't want to ruin a meal. Uh, when I was younger, even, this was there in my life. I used to, in the dark, when I was younger, uh, have all these what-ifs in my mind. You know, what if there's a person hiding in my closet? What if there's a wolf or a bear right outside my window? You know, what if someone's trying to break into the house? I mean, all these what-ifs come into your mind in the dark because you can't see and you know people do bad things in the dark, so what if? You know, so I wanted to have a nightlight. I wanted to check the closet out. And there are what ifs all around us. And sometimes they're valid, like not going parachuting. That might be a pretty good what if. But the devil loves what ifs. He really does. And here's a few what ifs I think he generally loves to give the people here on this earth to question God himself or God's love. And let's start with just a really big one. What if God doesn't exist? What if he doesn't exist? What if he's not real? What if everything you've heard about God is a lie and therefore nothing about God is real? What if? You know, all he has to do is plan a what if. And then if you follow that train, you'll you'll come to a conclusion. Yeah. What if God doesn't exist? Which we know to be absolutely ludicrous because you look around this world, it's, it's, it's as plain as day that there is a creator. But he loves to say, what if God doesn't exist? Here's another one. What if God isn't good? What if God isn't good? Or what if God isn't loving? What if he good? What if he isn't good? And what if he isn't loving? And what if you have a really bad God? You know, what if, what if what if there is a God, but he's really bad and he's scary and he's hurtful? You know, what if? And if you can plant that doubt, then you're not going to love God. You're not going to follow God. You're going to stay clear from God. Here's another one concerning salvation. The devil loves to say, what if you're too far gone? What if you've sinned too much? What if you're too wicked? What if you're too corrupt? What if you can't be saved? What if? Because if, if he can get us to believe that, then we're not going to be saved. We're not going to believe in Jesus. We're going to believe that lie. Here's another one I thought of that sort of encompasses all areas of life regarding sickness. What if you're going to die? What if this sickness that you have is going to kill you? What if? What if you have the really rare disease that's going to kill you? What if? to get us to doubt and question and eventually move away from God? What if finances go up? What if your life just goes into turmoil that way and you don't you lose your job or you don't have enough to pay bills or some huge expenditure happens? What if? What if? Relationships as well. What if? What if this person doesn't love you? What if they cheat on you? What if you can't trust them? What ifs are all around us and the devil loves to give us general what ifs. But what I want to do and look at for the rest of our time is give us seven what-ifs because we looked at seven promises on Sunday of certainties, things that God has said point blank, very blunt, these are true. And that's the difference between our God and the devil. The devil, uh, the devil likes to work with what-ifs and God likes to work with truth, certainties, statements of fact. And that's what I love about God is we looked at, before First Peter, we looked at a book called First uh, John, 
And 1 John is all about giving confidence, all about certainties, all about validations, because that's how our God works. He doesn't like guessing games. He doesn't want you to have to guess. He's going to tell you for sure, as a fact, that you are loved by God, that Christ was sent to save you from your sins, that you can know that you have eternal life with Christ. And the devil is the opposite. He's all about, what if? What if? The devil doesn't even like to make statements of fact as if to say, that's not true. Sometimes he does, but I think more often he likes to use the what ifs. So the seven promises, if you want to know what those are, you're going to have to go back and listen to our sermon. I don't have the time to look at the seven promises. But if you remember the promises, these what ifs are going to go along the lines of the seven promises we looked at. And even if you don't know the seven promises, you're going to understand where we're coming from. I think the first what if the devil would give us based on 1 Peter 1 verses 1 to 9 is, um, what if you're still wicked? What if you're still wicked? Yeah, okay, you say you've been saved. You say you have a future hope in Christ. You say that God loves you. But what if? What if you're a fraud? What if you're still wicked? I mean, look, you're not a perfect person. He loves to highlight our imperfections, loves to highlight the things we're, we're still struggling with and go, see, see, what if the entire thing is a fraud? What if you've never been saved? What if you're not God's child? What if you're still wicked? You think you have a future hope if you're still wicked? Of course you don't. So what if? What if you're still wicked? And that's when we need to go to Scripture and find out, actually, there could be a possibility of that. There's a possibility that I'm a fraud. We have seen people like that in Scripture, like Judas. But more often than not, people who love Christ and believe in Christ are God's people. They just simply need to go forward. And that's what the devil is seeking to do. He's planning doubt so that you don't go forward. Because if I tell you you're too wicked, you're not saved, there's not a chance you're going to take steps forward in the Christian life because you're always going to be questioning your foundation. And he loves that one. Future hope. How could you have a future hope? You're still wicked. You're still uh, falling short of what God expects. You're not saved. You're not his child. What if? So that's one I thought of. Here's another one is, what if there is no future hope? Well, that's a big blanket statement. But what if there was no hope? What if there was no eternity? What if there's no future? What if there's nothing to look forward to? What if, what if everything you're doing here in the Christian life is fraudulent, is nonsense, and you're going to squander this one life you've been given by living for Christ? And what if he's not even real? What if there's no hope? What if there's no future? What if everything you're doing for Christ is nonsense, is useless? What if? And we know that to be fraudulent. You look into scripture and Christ Jesus is the cornerstone, it says in 1 Peter Chapter 2, he says, Christ is the cornerstone. He is the cornerstone of everything that has hope, everything that is good, everything that this world is based upon. Christ is the cornerstone. God says it as a fact. My son is the cornerstone. Those who build upon my son are set up for all of eternity. So we don't need to listen to the devil's what if. What if there's no hope? What if this is all fraudulent? It's ridiculous. All he's seeking to do is plant a doubt. And when he can plant a doubt in our minds, sometimes we'll listen to those things, especially when we're away from Scripture, away from the people of God, maybe lying in bed by herself, questioning the very nature of Christianity. What if there's no hope? Here's another one. What if you don't belong to Jesus? It kind of goes along with you're still wicked, but what if you don't belong to Jesus? What if you think you know him? You've learned about him, but what if he doesn't know you? What if he 
doesn't love you? What if you don't belong to him? And I've questioned that myself several times in my Christian journey because I know a lot of things about Christianity and the Bible, but oftentimes I am led to doubt my authenticity as a Christian. Because like I said before, there's still shortcomings in my life. There's still things I have to work on. If I died right now, there would still be some sin in my life. So what if I'm not really saved? What if I'm not really Christ's? Well, to answer that one is very simple. Like we looked at the book of 1 John is go through the validations that God gives you. There are several validations, especially in the book of 1 John, that if you could pass those validations, the what if goes away. If you could pass the validations of what God says about himself and about you and about Christ, then you must know that you belong to him. And that's a good thing to realize. Here's another one I thought of. Is what if God lets you down? What if he lets you down? What if God isn't trustworthy? We all believe God to be trustworthy to be and believe him to be sovereign, but what if he's not? What if God can let you down? What if he's not trustworthy? What if you put all your trust and hope in God and you find out he lets you down like everybody else lets you down? And in 1 Peter, we find out the opposite, that God is holding your soul and holding your treasure in the palm of his hand. He's secure and he's trustworthy. But if the devil can plant that seed of doubt in our minds and say, what if he's not? What if God can let you down? What if you put all your hope in him and one day you find out that it simply falls through his hands? Well, all you need to do for that one is to look at the bigness of God. Look at the resume of faithfulness and love of our God and that will quickly be dispelled. But the devil loves to plant that doubt. What if God can let you down? Everybody else does. And if God can let you down, he's not good and he's not loving and he shouldn't be trusted. But you need to get your answers from Scripture. We need to get our answers from Scripture and realize that God is unable to break a promise. And I love that about God. And I've tested him. I've tested God's promises. I've, I've taken promises to God and said, God, you've said this. I want you to hold to this. And he does. Here's another one the devil loves. Is that what if pain is proof that God doesn't love you? I mean, we go through trials and hardships in this life, right? What if those things are the validation that God doesn't love you. I mean, you know, Job had three friends in the Old Testament who were sort of reinforcing that doubt in Job's mind, going, listen, Job, you're going through a lot of hardships and pain right now. Isn't this validation that God doesn't love you? Because if God loved you, wouldn't your life be roses? Wouldn't everything be sunshine? The fact that you're going through pain and hardship just proves that God doesn't love you. Sorry, the printer's going off right now. You'll have to excuse me. But... What if God doesn't love you? What if he's not actually loving in his very nature? And so if you, the devil can get you to doubt that one. The entirety of Christianity falls through. And we need to realize that God does love you. The very fact that he sent his son to die for your sins is all the proof we should need that God loves us because that can be tested. Why would he send Jesus? Why would Jesus die? Why would Jesus pay for our sins? Why would God take care of us every single day of our lives? Why would there always be food and air and water and shelter every day, every year of our lives? Because God loves us. And God passes that test every single day so that we don't need to listen to the doubts of the devil. What if you fall short? The devil loves that one too. What if you fall short? Okay, maybe you're a Christian. Maybe God is loving and trustworthy, but what if you fall short? You know you're weak. 
You know you're not able to finish this race. You know you're not able to do what God expects you to do. You know eventually you're going to fall short, Todd. You're eventually going to abandon this path. You're eventually not going to do what God expects you to do. You're weak. Again, you don't take risks. You're not courageous by nature. What if, what if you just simply fall short? God's not going to save you on the other side, is he? So again, your hope goes away because you're not able to see this through. Well, again, he's putting too much dependence upon us. And God wants the dependence to be upon him. Yes, we have a role in this Christian life. We must obey. We must do what God has called us to do. But God does the hard part. He keeps us. He holds us so that we don't fall short. And there have been countless saints who have gone before us who were imperfect beings. I mean, their their lives are recorded in Scripture. I can list some of the greatest people of Scripture that we look up to, and they all had shortcomings, all of them. But they made it. They made it because God kept them and held them and sustained them and pushed them in the right direction and because they obeyed and stayed faithful to the Lord. So we don't need to listen to that one either. What if you fall short is ridiculous. Because if I was going to fall short, I fell short already. God saved me after I had already fallen short. So now that I'm saved, God is certainly going to hold me. Here's another one I thought of is, what if it's all up to you? What if it's all up to you? What if God loves you? What if he's there? What if he's present? But what if he expects you to do everything on your own? What if he just turns you loose and says, it's you, finish it, do it. Become holy, be obedient, follow my son, don't make any mistakes. And if you do, I'll give you eternal life. And if you don't, you're going to hell. But it's all on you. What if it's all on you? What if God isn't actually helping you? Because he wants it that way, because he's not able to. And once you believe that it's all up to you, boy, oh boy, I can tell you the Christian life becomes incredibly frustrating and hopeless. Because if it is all up to us, you're right, we're not able to finish this. We're not able to complete this race. But we learn time and time again in Scripture, it's not up to us. It's up to God. It's up to God. We have a role, like I've said before, we need to follow Christ. We need to listen to his words. But God is fighting for us, and that's what the devil hates, because he knows he can't actually defeat us. Because if he could actually defeat us, he's stronger than us. By now, he would have taken us down. He would have killed us. The devil is stronger than me and you put together. But we haven't died. Why haven't we died? Why haven't we abandoned Christ? Because he can't actually do anything to us. Because it's not all up to us. Because God is keeping us alive and sustaining our faith each and every day. So we don't need to listen to that what if. And there are seven what ifs. And I'm sure there are dozens of more things that I could have thought of. But seven what ifs that I think the devil loves to plant in our minds to say, listen, you're not going to finish. God doesn't love you. There's no future hope. Why don't you just come back to the world, live for pleasure, live for joy, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die, because there's no God, there's no hope, there's no love, and it's all upon you. And that's why we need to stay so close to Scripture. That's why we need to stay so close to God. That's how we need to combat the devil and say, devil, you work with a lot of what-ifs. I work with certainties. I work with truth. I work with the facts of God's word. I use the resume of God's faithfulness and love in my life to combat these things because these things are not true. And if we follow the what-ifs of life, we're going to find despair and frustration and hopelessness and fear. And if we listen to the word of God, we're going to find hope 
and courage and strength and endurance to defeat the enemy, to go forward. And I pray that that would be a blessing to you today, that you would stay near the Lord, stay near his promises, listen to what he's taught you, and then take them in your fight against the devil and against sin and slay the enemy. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.